0: Where has he gone? 2-0 win Ecuador against Qatar in the opening match of the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Incredible scenes here in Quito, Ecuador. Ecuador is celebrating historic achievement, the first time ever the host nation of a World Cup loses their first match. Ecuador makes history. And <laughs> <Ken> again, <laughs> welcome, welcome to the show. I swear, I don't have an eject button that just pushes him out of the room. I promise that is not what happened. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Anglo Italian World Cup pod. I'm finally going to introduce you episode two of our World Cup specials. And as always, my name is Rory, and I'm joined finally by my very good friends Adam
1: and Andy. Eventually, but here yeah. he
0: is, here to stay. Hopefully, um. Boys, so much to talk about, but before we jump in,
1: um, Adam, how have you been, man? I've been really good, thank you. Had a pleasant weekend, and uh, yeah, starting to embrace this World Cup in very fake ways, but uh, more importantly, mate, how are you as well?
0: Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Um, did manage to get a bit of World Cup watching whilst in the office, um, so. Sh- don't tell anyone, but I did watch the entirety of, <laughs> of Neville and Senegal, which was nice. But that was good. I enjoyed it. And of course, Andy is here. How are we doing, man?
2: Yeah, doing well. I've also been like sneak- sneakily watching bits of World Cup. I've literally <laughs> had, my, had my work laptop open, the screen open, like and it, and I was taking like phone calls by just having my little phone in the corner watching it. And then I conveniently timed my lunch to watch the second half of the England game. Uh so nice. uh, yeah, I think um i am still married to watch um put my poor old girlfriend through a lot of uh World Cup. That's what it's about. It's about subjecting them to as much
0: football until well, they give she, in. We that's, have the, this, that's the tactic.
2: We usually have this category of like, especially when I'm watching Man United. She was like, "Are you watching necessary football or unnecessary <laughs> football?" <laughs> so if I'm watching necessary football, I've got Carto Blanche, to put it on yeah. the uh, big TV. Whereas if it's unnecessary football, put it on the laptop, <laughs> and uh, I've slowly just got to the point where. All football is now necessary. <laughs> is, you've won the big TV. You've won. <laughs> you've. I think won. I might. I think I might struggle in some games, you know, such as like Denmark and Tunisia or something. But um, yeah, we'll <laughs> but it's struggle. vital. It's vital. That's honestly, it's one of the best things. It's
1: about research. This podcast. That's what you've got, Clay. Yeah,
0: research exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of the best things about this podcast. Is that now I'm like, I've got to watch the game. I've got to talk about it tomorrow. I have to watch it, but I do need to. Say, and I'm not going to shout out the particular. The website but i was using a website today to watch the world cup i may have paid for it i may not but i really need to say thank you to this feature that they have where you can click a button and it just stays in the little corner of your screen so you can shift windows everything and it just stays there so i was getting on with my work and the game was in the little corner absolute game changer really did so thank you unnamed website that was fantastic i really really enjoyed it it was great um but we do need to go on to the world cup actually talk about the world cup um and to start with well it was a (laughs) are they the worst team to ever play in the world cup um qatar took on ecuador and (laughs) it was less than convincing um we'll talk about the football then we'll talk about the issues that kind of sprang from it around it um i'm going to start with you andy um qatar did you expect more i slightly expected
2: more well they were getting a little bit of hype before the game weren't they because obviously they were asian cup champions back in uh 2019 and mm-hmm. you know they they said a lot about this squad being together for a number of years and next part of so the youth coach but you know uh then their stat came out that their star player um, Had only had made what a few appearances for sporting Gijon back like five years ago or something like that. And yeah, most of them play within Qatar itself. They've had like two months. They stayed, ended their domestic season two months ago to prepare for this um i think they forgot to actually play some football teams in the bits of it because they must be playing each other thinking oh you know what we're, looking we're brilliant really. <laughs> yeah, we're looking really good boys this is we're, doing, we're gonna we're gonna smash it and then as soon as they've come up a team against a team of some substance they've absolutely fucked it um so yeah I don't think they'll be... I think the locals probably wouldn't be too happy. I think mm. they expected more, but oh, they looked... They just looked... I think fitness as well. They just looked... They didn't look match fit. A lot yeah, of Yeah, it was... They, it, it was kind yeah. of like... You know when we
0: talked about Juventus, there was a game when they were walking and the other team was running. It kind of felt <laughs> like that. It was like just... To a game at two different speeds but we have to say ecuador enna valencia now level now some of these names now level <laughs> with um he got his fifth ever it's world done, goal busy. yeah that puts him on the same number as zinedine Zidane, jeff hurst romario platini beckenbauer um incredible and he could have had a hat trick what did you think of the goal that was ruled offside adam and then
1: we'll get onto the goals that counted I don't I don't understand it anymore because even w- when you're introducing VAR it's supposed to be clear and obvious right so um, yeah if it's not clear and obvious why was it introduced but by the letter of the law supposedly because the second man who's behind the goalkeeper doesn't actually keep them active which w- I don't know where the logic is with that right um, that was the rationale for that being ruled off as being um, offside but Yeah, as far as I could see it, it was definitely onside and that should have been a hat-trick for Valencia because Mm. he was superb yesterday. What about your thoughts? Um, Yeah, I I thought it was the most typical start
0: to this tournament. I was like, oh, here we go. It's taken less than three (laughs) minutes and there's been corruption. Um, I think that was the definition of looking for a reason to uh, to rule out a goal, like looking for a reason. Mm. Um, The goalkeeper was nowhere near it. You can't say he was fouled. Obviously... Apparently, as you said, by the letter of law, it was offside, but it looked like they were really looking for it. When the penalty came, I was like, they're going to rule out this penalty. They're going to come back and say yeah. it wasn't a penalty, but they didn't. Um, Enna Valencia put it away cool as you like, beautiful penalty. Okay, that goalkeeper, we can talk about him, Andy. We'll talk about, <laughs> I'll talk to, about the goalkeeper to you in a minute. But he was definitely going to jump first, right? There was no way that goalkeeper wasn't jumping first. Uh, but beautifully slotted away um, penalty, and I love that the Ecuadorians just kept doing overhead kicks for the for for the lols. They just kept, every time the ball was in the air, they were doing an overhead kick. But Andy, what did you make of the
2: goalkeeper? It was not his day. No, he was. I mean, he was right. I mean, he was bailed out on the on the first goal, which I'm still mm-hmm. convinced counted. I mean, he. he went into no man's land, didn't get anywhere near it. And he just, his handling and just the general doing his job bit was a bit, (laughs) wasn't too good. And if he's like, I'd hate to see what the backup is. If he's he's Qatar's best keeper, I really really dread to think what is sitting in second and third reserves. It just Um, always,
0: it always makes me think of, because it's always like countries that aren't that great. They always have terrible goalkeepers. And it always makes me think, well, actually being a good goalkeeper is really fucking hard. Like, it's really hard to be a good <laughs> yeah. goalkeeper. Because the second that happens, it stands out. And Andy, you could tell from the first minute, this guy was not going to be at it.
2: Yeah, I think, and I think uh, the Ecuadorian players knew that as well because obviously they just started doing overhead kicks, taking little mm-hmm. pot shots here and there. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, when you play football, you, you can tell Like if you're watching play football a lot, you can tell if someone's not too comfortable mm-hmm. with the ball at their feet or you know, facing shots. I don't know what he'd been doing for the past two months, but <laughs> bouncing a ball off the wall. I think, yeah, <laughs> that's it. I caught that, 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 that one. Yeah, <laughs> probably, just be playing, to... just, probably just been playing cats in the warm up <laughs> or something. Going, yeah, <laughs> I'm good. Uh, but, this is easy. Uh, this is easy. But um... yeah, he just he just didn't look confident, and I think maybe they just no. uh, in, on a competitive environment because Qatar have basically played. A few years of friendlies, basically, mm-hmm. and friendly results can be deceiving. I think they, I, th- I think they drew with um, Ecuador, like three all or yeah, something yeah. like that in the lead up. So maybe they got a little bit of confidence from that. But you know, at the end of the day, it's a World Cup and it's you know proper serious stuff. About mm-hmm. yeah, wanting yeah. to state the obvious too much, um, and teams you know that don't really give a shit about friendlies. I mean, the Italians are usually great at that. <laughs> We that have that's a that... to
1: Wales, by the way.
2: Oh, we have a penalty oh. to
1: Wales. Yes. Oh. To we got some, we got, we got some got live drama.
0: Okay, Adam, I was going to ask you about Ecuador, but while you're watching that, I'm going to ask Andy. <laughs> Ecuador did give away chances. Do we need to be worried? Qatar could have got a goal just before, the sec- just before half-time, and they could have got another one in the second half. Do we need to worry about Ecuador? Have they actually been tested?
2: I don't think they have been tested. I think it's a game where they just, they never really got out of second and third gear. And I mm. think it's still a bit of an, un, it's difficult to judge Ecuador based on that performance because I think they're a little bit sloppy, mainly because of a little bit of complacency to be honest. Yeah, they, yeah, knew, yeah. they knew that, you know, they kind of had the game in the bag at two nil and they probably, if they absolutely needed to, could have, um, got a couple more i think the defining point of guitar's play that summed it up was when uh, cross came in just went smack straight in his face <laughs> and, uh, I, I mean i love the enthusiasm well it's a well timed run well timed jump because <laughs> the execution that <laughs> fell fat on its face basically yeah literally
0: literally yeah i feel like ecuador could have um, could have been exposed Guitar were pretty awful and it's when one of the first issues of this World Cup has come up. The attendance now sixty-seven thousand was announced, despite the stadium <laughs> only only holding sixty thousand. And at half time, everybody left. Around the 55 1-1, one, one, there we go. Do, Gareth, Gareth go on, Bales. Bales. Of course it was. Of course it was. Come on, Wales, get the winner now, boys. Come on. Um, but for in the 55th minute everyone seemed to leave and the atmosphere i don't know about you adam but from the first Mm. minute the atmosphere to me felt really odd it just felt like the the crowd were chant were like screaming at weird times and there was no like yeah it just felt odd what did you think
1: yeah it was very odd it was reported by a lot of journalists it has to be said that it was kind of A weird like atmosphere um it felt like it was a bit put on as well Mm -hmm. and it was evident by the time you kind of saw the second half kick off and there was a lot of empty seats now it has to be said that the location of the stadium is miles away from where doha is by all means it's the longest (laughs) distance and there's nothing there apparently there was quite a delay to get into the stadium but that said, yeah, it did feel like they'd already got their money in the bank accounts. They were willing to leave that stadium. <laughs> and um, there was a good clip by one of the post journalists. He actually kind of did like a panoramic view of the stadium. As like, the final whistle was like blown, you saw the kind of stadium empty within 60 seconds. It wow. was incredible by that point obviously i think we could say that about maybe 60 to 50 percent of the staging was probably still there by that point but i mean still that was incredible so for a fire evacuation that was incredible that was well timed (laughs) (laughs) like the fire officer's well happy with that
0: (laughs) 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 but i feel like this is something we're going to see throughout the, the, the competition now i think because I I saw reports of England fans not being allowed into the stadium, them having issues with their tickets. There's been issues with Wales fans not being allowed in with their rainbow bucket hats. There's been also, I feel like this is something we are going to see across the the tournament, is that the stadiums will be empty. I think especially the second, like, you know most tournaments when a host drops out the national interest just completely disappears yeah, dies, there's yeah. no national interest already imagine what happens when qatar inevitably go out without scoring a goal like i think the it's going to be so awful to see because there's so many football fans including ourselves that would love to be there if it had been affordable it was not affordable and now the thing's going to be completely empty but look that is not the worst thing that's happened this week or this day so this morning um it was announced that England, Germany, France, Wales, and Florence, there was a Florence. few others um re- would not wear the rainbow captain armbands because FIFA said that if you do, you will be booked the second you come onto the pitch. Now we'll get onto FIFA, but what I firstly want to say is it's not a protest. If you back down at the first hurdle, that is not a protest like the Iranian players, literally risking their life and their family safety, refused to sing the national anthem mm-hmm. um, in their first World Cup game. And the England players—I'm not even singling out Harry Kane because it wouldn't have been his personal decision; it would have been a decision as a team, as an organization. They couldn't even wear what was actually a pretty token gesture. It wasn't mm-hmm. even a strong stance. It was. A token thing of like, look, we're trying, and they couldn't even do that. Like Andy, I'll ask you first. What did you, what did you think about this? It really depressed me.
2: Yeah, it is. Because uh, you know, we've been uh, a lot of people on various sides of the arguments have been like, well, come on then, do something meaningful, and. Mm. Literally up until yesterday, the intention was for you know to wear the armband. I mean, on Friday, you know, before the weekend, it was quite yeah. We're going to wear the armband. We're going to make our point. You know, Gareth Southgate, you know, really put stuck his neck out and went, "This is what we're going to do. We believe it's the right thing to do, and we're going to crack and do it." And as you say, like, there's no point in there's no point in doing a protest if you're worried about the consequences. Mm-hmm. You know when if you look at what's going on in this country, people are rail workers and our postal mm-hmm. workers. They go on strike, even though they're already struggling, but they're not going to get paid, but they're yeah. doing it to fight for a bigger cause. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there seems to be a massive unwillingness to, to take a yellow. But Harry yeah. K, and also think about Harry Kane's a striker. He's not typically going to be picking up many yellow cards, unless he's stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, and... If you're worried about a suspension, pass it on to somebody else yeah, yeah, for the yeah. third game. Yeah, yeah. They could have easily found a way around it. Um So yeah, uh, I think it's pretty, I think it's just pretty gutless, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I, I I think it's what I've been surprised
0: by, and I don't know about you, Adam. I'll get your thoughts in a mm-hmm. minute. Was that. How heavy-handed and how determined FIFA have been about this? Like, it's not like they really are doing everything to stamp this out. So it's not like what they're asking for is understanding in terms of cultures, right? They're asking, this is their culture, respect their culture. Okay, I can see your argument. But they are being very, very heavy-handed with not respecting the culture of everybody else and the views of everybody else on the same day or the day after when Infantino made that ridiculous speech that we will also get onto about today. I feel gay today. I feel whatever. Well, apparently today he wasn't feeling particularly gay. Like what do you, (laughs) what, what do you take? Are you surprised by FIFA's behavior?
1: Not anymore. Um, I think we've been calling out for a while that FIFA are, how do we put this delicately? Um, not playing by the ethics of what fans necessarily want. Um mm-hmm. and I feel like almost like they're going, I suppose breaking their own kind of um beliefs on what the World Cup should be, because the whole idea is it's open, yeah. it's about trying to get cultures to mix in together. Yes, we should respect each other in the respect of you know their laws, etc. But then when it comes to things like this, then we should have this open freedom and, and speech, right? Free speech as well is the most important thing. If Qatar have an issue of this, then clearly it shouldn't have been the host nation. Um, no. We know why they're a the host nation. And there's a lot of uh, documentaries that will highlight this as well, to be fair. But ultimately I feel like FIFA failed their own ethics. They shouldn't really be like even the governing body, like, the whole like organisation needs reform um when you've got someone like Infantino who's probably going to be unchallenged for the next presidency as well mm-hmm. that stinks of hypocrisy now like the, how can you say that's democratic if no one can like fight against you this is a dictatorship it's yeah. like being paid for he's just making sure that he's cuddling up to his colleagues we've also seen as a result of his speech that a lot of the Kind of different subcontinents are backing him. So, like of South America, sure. for example, saying to Europeans, "Just suck it up and get on with it." He said he's sorry, blah blah blah. Well, sorry, that doesn't really make mm-hmm. it like an apology, I'm afraid. Um, if people are afraid to turn up at this World Cup, but more importantly, there's a lot of unaccounted people that have died as a result of making this World Cup then I'm sorry, then, you know, the questions will continue to be asked. Now, I appreciate there's nothing we can do, right? And ultimately, it stems to even Russia. It goes to South Africa, yeah. and but, but Brazil. Brazil, I could go on, yeah. right? There's been other instances. If you go back as far as, I think it was 78, was it Argentina? Yeah,
0: Argentina, 78. Again, yeah. another
1: example of it. But there's nothing we can do as a pod about that. It happens. Unfortunately, FIFA hasn't reformed since the Blatter days. And it will continue to do so. Unfortunately,
0: I think the de- the really depressing thing is it's got worse since Blatter. Mm. I feel like Infantino, like Blatter, was mental, and he would come out with mad stuff. Like when he was on about the women's shorts would be shorter, and then people watching women's football, or whatever. It <laughs> yeah. just felt like that embarrassing uncle. And then he would like yeah. double down, and you'd be like, "Oh, what's he like? He's corrupt, but you know, he just says daft shit." I feel like Infantino, it's genuinely like he sees himself as a world leader now. He sees himself as like, he sees himself level with like, you know, the leader of Qatar and Bin Salman and whoever he is. Like it is proper dictatorial attitude. Mm -hmm. And like even that speech he had before kickoff, that quick little five minute speech, that wasn't in the running order. Gary Lineker said that wasn't in the running order. That's him just wanting to have the camera on him for two more minutes, to have that, I'm going to have the last say before this tournament kicks off. Like, And you can disagree or agree with who the leader of Qatar is, but... If the leader of FIFA thinks he's above the head of state of the country he's in, I think we've got a problem. Like, I I think
2: there's a real, like, Messiah complex or something. You know what? I I think he's got a little bit of small man syndrome, and there's a couple of reasons for this. So first of all, during the World Cups, typically fifa fifa dictate everything you know mm-hmm. when, you, when you look at the when you look at the looks for south africa even the russia and the uh, brazil world cup if fifa wanted you to bend the rules to facilitate their fan parks facilitate this mm-hmm. that or the other you, you know if fifa told brazil jump they would say how high and yeah. it would get done and um it really feels like this World Cup, the power dynamic is completely different. Um, You know, Infantino is just basically, he's just shouting noise. Like he's got, he's got no power. Qatar have told him what to do Mm -hmm. this World Cup. You know, FIFA have have said, oh, we're going to get concessions on alcohol. We'll be able to sell alcohol in the stadiums. We're going to be able to do this. You're going to be able to do that. And in the lead up to the World Cup, suddenly Qatar are back to it back on their intolerable bullshit about mm-hmm. LGBT rights. They said, nope, you're not having alcohol in the stadiums. And I reckon this backlash over armbands, that is, for me, I, just don't, I don't have any proof, it's probably fair to say, but I wouldn't be surprised if Qatar have had a word in the lead-up to these yeah. games and gone, Johnny, mate, cut that out. Yeah. Um, and it and, feels like Qatar are in charge of this world Cup. Yeah rather than FIFA. And I think he's just trying to make himself seem more important than he is. uh, No, I like
0: that take. I like that take. Mm -hmm. I think it's also like it's when people kicked up a fuss about the football, the alcohol decision being reversed, for example, everyone was like, Oh, I'm sure you can have fun without beer. Yeah. That's not the point. The point is that they're reversing a decision two days before the tournament. What else are they going to reverse on? This isn't going to be the first thing that they reverse on. And guess what? It wasn't the first thing they reversed on. Like, so it was definitely like, these are the symptoms and you're right. Andy. I think they are completely running it. And maybe Infantino is just screaming into the abyss, but I feel like he's definitely, he's recently moved to the country, he's living there now, he is definitely making a concerted effort to be as bootlickery as possible to these people and to accommodate them as well. I think, like, he's not putting up a resistance to it, like, he's definitely accommodating to it, but yeah, Adam, your thoughts on Infantino and how we possibly got worse than Blatter?
1: I don't know, I thought we'd got beyond Blatter at the first stage. But unfortunately, Infantino um, adored himself to the general like executives at FIFA by saying he was going to bring reform, make sure corruption wasn't there and it didn't exist. Unfortunately, the work was already done by the fact that Blatter had invited Qatar into this process and made sure that they won it. Um, There's lots out there. If you want to go and do the research, it says it there. But unfortunately, Infantino is just... Making sure that he ass-licks everyone to make sure he doesn't get the chop essentially he wants to be mm-hmm. in the top job as you say small man syndrome he wants to be the man at the top of the table and yeah unfortunately we're going to have to deal with that until like maybe nations decide to break away a bit like the super league maybe yeah. that's the only way we can do it
0: breakout breakout FIFA yeah I feel I don't know I, I don't want to like dwell on it too long I just I can't believe. I'm watching that FIFA doc on Netflix. I think I said it on the pod, but I can't believe we got rid of Blatter and we got worse. I just can't believe it. I'm watching that whole documentary. I was like, oh, this is really good. You know, rooting out the dirt and then remembering where we are now. (laughs) It was all for nothing. It was all for nothing. Um, But yes, he has confirmed himself now. He is in charge for the next four years. He ran unopposed. So he is in charge again. We will see... I don't know what happens with the America-Canada because they're hosting it next. We don't know who's Except hosting Mexico it. After as yet, well, it? Yeah, yeah, Mexico, Mexico as well, isn't it? Yeah, Mexico as well. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I can't see it getting better anytime soon. Hopefully, the teams that have kind of backed down on this protest do actually decide to do something. I'm waiting for one player, one player to just have mm-hmm. the balls to do something Um Just, yeah, something, anything to kind of show that we still care because if I was LGBTQ+, I would be so, so disheartened today that like what the cost of the protest was was a yellow card when later in the game players were diving, which is the risk of a yellow card. And it's like that's the price that you put on not making this protest. It would just feel like all the years of progress that's happened in the premier league in football in the uk everywhere in terms of like acceptance of lgbtq plus people is just all out the window now because actually when the heat's on none of it counts um so it's not it's really depressing isn't it it's really depressing but we should in a very g- quick change of gear actually talk about the football as England absolutely smash in Iran that I expected to be much better than they were. Um, Andy, your initial thoughts from this game before I just go on about
2: Bakayo Saka for an hour? No, I'll I'll give you your... I'll give you your, bye, bye, <laughs> give you give you your two minutes of Saka, love. I think, you, I think you deserve it and you've been building up to that all season. But no, I think England as a whole it's a really convincing performance. And we were just saying... Um, just before we came over there, that how England have historically struggled to get past mm-hmm. opponents. I mean, remember the likes of struggling against, you know, Algeria, Trinidad, and Tobago, you know, getting beaten by the Iceland and the Euros. Like we don't we we never really make it easy for ourselves in major tournaments, and yet mm. this felt like a, an inevitability from start to finish, which I think was um really, really refreshing. I think also what's encouraging for England is it felt like a proper team performance. There's still, the, you know, the, the one of my favourite moments, right, was um, right towards the end of the game. Um, you know, Raheem, uh, Callum Wilson setting up a, an assist for, uh, Raheem, I think it was received Raheem Sterling um, towards the end, where he just passed it across goal, completely unselfish. And we just tapped it for Greenwich's goal, sorry. Mm-hmm. For Greenwich's goal, we just um, tapped it across tapped it across goal, could have easily scored himself, could have easily taken the shot, you know, with a few nil up, doesn't doesn't make much of a difference, so I think it was 5-1 up at that point, um, but no, he squared it across for a tap-in, you know, to have um, you know what, what was it, five different scorers, uh, says a lot, and I think Whilst you give some Saka love, I'm going to give some Jude Bellingham love. He is player. What a player, man! That boy is different. Gravy, all right. It's unbelievable. You know, I I suppose I'm doing the typical English thing of hyping up players, but you you can only play who's in front of you. But we've seen Bellingham do it for Dortmund against much much better opposition, Mm and he just he he just has absolutely everything in his game. Yeah, Uh, he really he's really is a fantastic all round. I mean he's what 20 and he's already a like what's it 19 20 years old and he's already mm-hmm. a nailed on starter for England. Yeah. I and mean, he's going to end up with like 150 caps or something <laughs> yeah, ludicrous yeah. if yeah, his yeah, co- yeah, yeah. career continues the way it is. It's um it feels like we've got a proper uh that midfield of rice um you know, mason well mason mount maybe not so much but yeah a bit iffy, but yeah. you know, Declan De- 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 Bre- Rice and Bellingham is probably among the best midfield duos I think I've seen England rock up with. In yeah, terms I think, of, hmm. well, I yeah, think I said it. Together.
0: Sorry, yeah, I said that on a previous pod that when me and friend of the show, Tom, were talking about it, we were looking at the England midfield and going that's one of the best in the tournament, I think. And like, I think, look, Mason Mount gets a lot of stick. I think he does the simple things well. He's not flashy, but he's not an exciting player. I get why people have doubts. I have doubts about him every so often. But I think alongside Rice and and Bellingham, yeah, unbelievable midfield. Um, Yeah, Bellingham is just, I'm in love with him. Just please, Arsenal, just Spend all the money in the world to get him. I would love to see him at Arsenal. But Adam, what did you make of England's performance? We went a long time without scoring goals, went a calendar year without a win, and it all kind of just disappeared. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah. you have to give it its due. I think they did a professional job over Iran. Um, I thought Iran were a bit disappointing, and I don't know whether they were caught up in emotions, uh, potentially, Mm -hmm. because of what they've just done as an act. Um, but that said, obviously, I think first half I was expecting maybe a little bit more, um, especially that concussion to the goalkeeper. I think also that was wild. Maybe have changed the kind of way the game was going as well to an extent. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, I think England were just getting into momentum down that right hand side, especially with Trippier, who was putting in a few through balls as well as a few crosses. And I think they were a bit wary at that point. Then it ran for a period of time We're getting a bit more into the final third, but I felt like they were still comfortable. Um, yeah. Fair due to Harry Maguire, it has to be said, he had a really good game, really endorsed the fact yeah. that you know Southgate put that trust into him, and um,
2: yeah, I mean, just the quality really did tell. I was going to say, I, I think Harry Maguire needed that performance. Yes, I've not yes. Looked, I've not seen him look that composed uh, from from for the best part of a year or so and I think mm-hmm. I'm just really happy for him personally because he had a real tough time of it he's lost his yeah, place yeah, in the yeah. England squad he's uh, had a really rough 18 months in terms of form he gets a lot of unnecessary abuse from you know a lot of Manchester United fans and people in general so yeah I think um, I think he deserves that I think his challenge will be to continue that against better opposition yeah but um, yeah I'm happy for him definitely. Do
1: you think he looks a bit more like calm, composed, like more than he's ever been in the last maybe 12 months? I haven't seen like a performance like that maybe since maybe the last world cup, dare I say, or maybe euros. Like,
0: euros, I would say euros. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean,
1: he just genuinely looks like he was at home, like no care for the world. Didn't have to worry about any abuse from the terraces or. I just think that makes a big difference.
0: That. You know, I think I that, think that makes a, a big huge difference.
1: difference for him. He didn't yeah. have to worry too much. And, on the uh, midfield, I thought they were really, really good. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about Jude Bellingham, Rice looks really good, and even Gre- Grealish and Sterling, they looked really on like song. Considering these yeah. players haven't been on greatest form of late for their clubs as well, I thought they did really impressively well. Um, yeah, I'd worry about Iran if they were to try and get out of this group stage, they have to do a better performance in the next two games, and it just doesn't look possible unfortunately um yeah. But yeah
0: yeah i think it's it's weird because carlos Queros's teams are usually very good at defending because that's all they tend to do <laughs> so i was surprised that they were like really were not at it but i think you made a good point with the fact that there's a lot of emotion in the performances for Iran at the moment i think yeah. them being at the world cup is an achievement and then playing is like their way of being like you know we're still here and they're in the in the post-match conference, um, post-match interview, sorry, the, I think it was the captain came out and spoke out against the government as well. Like,
2: mm-hmm. there
0: is a lot going on in their head. So I think, like, you know, it's all within, like, a massive parentheses, I suppose. I think but I am going the to talk Iranian, about Sorry. I was going
2: to say, I think even the Iranian fans, especially some of the women, were making their own voices yeah. very, very mm-hmm. hard. So it's worth pointing out that for many, many years, um, Women weren't allowed to watch mm. football in Iran, and apparently, even though officially speaking that rule has been lifted, apparently it's still a little yeah. bit iffy to say yeah. the least. And you know, they've they've certainly made their voices heard and showing more balls than a lot of the mm. um, countries. There, it feels like maybe maybe in England and Holland, maybe we don't maybe there's a there's a bit of a less of a connection between what is real hardship. Yeah, I think yeah, pot- yeah. potentially. Uh, whether the, you know whether, whether that's intentional or otherwise i don't know but uh, yeah i think that's um, a lot of it what it's down to whereas you know with the Iranian players they're a lot more connected to what's going on in mm-hmm. their country um and a lot yeah. closer to the people in it that are suffering that really day in and day out and i think maybe that's what's made them feel more compelled to actually do something
0: yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's a result of living a comfortable life is that you don't have to worry every day about what your government's at, right, or what's happening in your country. It's yeah. just a natural result of it. It's no one's fault. It's just what happens. And I think, yeah, you you see, <clears throat> I I haven't grown up in an unstable country as we as none of us are, so we don't know. But I imagine that, yeah, you have to stay fairly plugged in. But fair play to all of them for, for being brave enough to do that because um, it is real what's going, on, what's going on down there, and it's pretty scary. Um, but, again, in a gear shift, we keep having to shift gears in this show fairly quickly. I am going to talk about Bakayo Saka just for five minutes because what a performance. He was incredible. I love how he steps up every time when he gets to a new stage. And his record for England now is pretty fucking mad. He's got quite a few goals for England. Um and I feel like it was just another great performance from him. He's been in incredible form this season. Both of his goals were beautiful, and yeah, I'm just delighted that he's a key player for England. And I think he's like hmm. alongside Bellingham, he's one of the first names on the team sheet now. It's like okay, Saka at right wing. He's the best right wing, the right winger we've got. Um, and it was just two beautiful goals. Great performance from England. Great performance from Saka keep going keep it going and he got player of the match he had his trophy i was so proud anyway um we're gonna (laughs) leave england and iran there and we're gonna move on to the next game which was a game i did enjoy it was a bit end-to-end i feel like either team could have won it but the team who did win it necessarily didn't deserve it um we need to talk about Edward Mendy and Kepper. They obviously ran into each other and swapped bodies at some point. So I don't know what has happened to Edouard Mendy. But Adam, I'm going to start with you. What did you make of this game and uh, Edward Mendy?
1: Yeah. Edward Mendy, if we start off with him, um, yeah, his form hasn't been great for Chelsea. Um he just seems a shadow of himself from the season that Tuchel brought him into that Chelsea team. He's definitely not got the confidence, it feels like, at times. Um, in this match, to begin with, he didn't seem too bad, in fairness. I, I thought he made himself a bit assured with that defence, but um, that was probably helped by the fact that Netherlands didn't really, to be fair, do much on goal. There's a few out their course, like. Wonder shots, I think, um, if that's the best way to describe it. He made um, his appearance. He, we he saw, him at him. we saw him out He did. But, yeah, I, even Vincent Janssen as well made his appearance at the uh, stage as well. But, I mean, yeah, I wasn't that enthralled by this match. I have to say, I think Senegal just missed Mane. If Mane was playing, I mm. think that would be a different story altogether. And I think Senegal, you're right, they were very unlucky that, you know, they just didn't have that bit of quality If it wasn't for that just bit of composure and potentially that threat, then, yeah, at times, because I think Van Dijk almost gave away the ball in his own areas as well at one point, and it just was one of those that if there was someone with a bit of quality, then you never know, it could have gone the other way. But, yeah, when, when he obviously, the first one, when Gatko came in, headed it in, I mean, you're just like, what are you doing? Like, I just... Yeah, you despair. And then the second one was even worse because he kind of just handed it into to Klaassen and 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 just slammed it home. So by that point, it was game, set and match. So, yeah, I mean, I did see a quote from Alois Souce afterwards. He said, you can blame me all you want, but unfortunately, goals wins you games. And that's what happened in this match. And that pretty much sums up this match. I um, don't know what you thought of it, but personally, that's what I saw.
0: Yeah, I just felt like, well, I put it on Twitter in the WhatsApp group. I just said, Senegal have been the better team, but they're still going to lose 1-0. You can just <laughs> see it from a mile off. You can see it from a mile off. The experience, I don't know what it is, but you could just see that Holland weren't panicking. They weren't getting stressed. They were just like, and I felt like Senegal kind of started to look like they knew it wasn't their day. They started to just be like, you know, faces drop a little bit of like, oh God, why isn't it this happening? And Holland just sort of got the job done. I feel like the run from Gakpo and the header, both the, the run is incredible. The ball's incredible. Edward Mendy has to do better. Andy, why can Chelsea only have one good goalkeeper at a time? I don't
2: understand. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think they have obviously swapped bodies. But to be fair though, it's not, it's not a surprise development, is it? Edward Mendy has lost his place in the Chelsea squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he came back... For the last game or so, because of a, an injury to Kepa. But, yeah. you know, generally speaking, he has, he's not been in good If you speak to a lot of Chelsea fans, Mendy's not been in good form for quite a while. And mm. like I said, unfortunately, he had a bit of a clangor for the first goal. I mean, maybe he was beaten by the quality of the delivery, the timing of the run. But you can't come out of your goal to go and punch it and then punch, you know, there like, mm. you know, as um a TLC once said you can't go chasing waterfalls and that's exactly what he did <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know why I needed to get that reference in but here we go I always appreciate a TLC reference I always <laughs> we all, we're sure we've got age now aren't we Uh were <laughs> a banging girl band back in the day but anyway I digress uh, and for the second goal I mean that is a keeper's worst nightmare uh, I mean if, if you I mean, he should have caught it or just mm-hmm. palmed it somewhere a bit different. Um, he just it pushed it
0: into the worst possible place. Yeah. It was it, just,
2: just... just anywhere else and you're kind of all right. But yeah, yeah. But I thought it was quite a, apart from with apart from that little bit of quality by Gapko, I think it was quite a poor quality game. And Louis van Gaal, you know, in typical Louis fashion, I love the bloke, uh, you know, he, he's hyped up his team going, this is better than the team that won That got to, what was it, the uh, third place in the... Mm World Cup in 2014 I'm, and I'm sorry to tell you that it really fucking isn't I mean if you've got Vincent, Vincent Janssen starting football matches in a major tournament you've got issues uh, yeah. David Lind is still rocking up at left wing back <laughs> I think you know it's um, and they've they, they fought on the like and if you look at their bench as well I think the only real game changer they would bring off the bench is a half it Pie You can't get a game at uh, Barcelona at the moment, granted he's had injury problems, but mm-hmm. Davey Clarsen, who barely got a kick at bloody Everton and looked lightweight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Martin De Roon, who um, I know tends to cause a fair bit of debate, but he, he's a serviceable player, but he's not going to change a game for you, is he? Obviously we've watched him enough in Serie A. Uh, Coop Miners, I think, you know, does have a bit of talent, but it's not a vintage um Holland squad by any stretch of the imagination, you know. Nathan Ake looked a bit, you know, looks looks a bit ropey. Matthias de Ligt as well got 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 himself books and didn't look particularly great. I think, I think uh, with a qual- with a bit more quality, I think Holland will come unstuck. To be honest with you, mm. they've got to play a lot lot better than that if they're going to get mm. far in what- the tournament.
0: Yeah, I think the comfort for them is that in the group that's their hardest game.
2: Yeah. (laughs) That is the toughest
0: game. So now they're like, okay, as long as we stay sensible against Ecuador, Qatar could be bloody ugly. Whatever score that I don't feel like Van Hall is the type to go like three goals and sit back. I feel like he might fancy (laughs) a bit of a drubbing. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, unlucky for Senegal. But good for them is that was their hardest game. Now they can play Qatar. They can hopefully they should they could get something against Ecuador. I think this isn't the worst thing in the world. It's just important that they put it behind them, get past it, move on. Um, And then the last game, I think this is the last game we need to talk about. I can't keep up. Um, Is Americans hate a tie. They hate a draw. Well, they got a draw. They've just (laughs) drawn one all against Wales. Um, What does this mean for the group? I thought that America were going to be worse than that. And I thought Wales were going to be better than that. Um, Adam, what, what, what do you make of that result?
1: Um, just looking through just briefly the second half whilst we've been talking, it did feel like Wales were growing and growing into the like, match itself towards the end. Um, so I felt like it's a typical workman like Wales side, um, you know, maybe not got the quality of probably America in comparison, but obviously in someone like Gareth Bale. That's their talisman, for example. Uh, Ramsey particularly seems to be just recycling the ball, keeping hold of it, just making sure it was being spread out. Um, Dan James didn't have a particularly ga- a good game here as well, but they have got some really exciting youngsters. Um, Connor mm. Roberts on the right-hand side. you got nicka Williams on the left-hand side. So I think the wing-backs are going to be critical for this campaign. And it's just a question of whether they use Kiefer Moore with certain games as well, because I think he's going to be one of the outlets for Bale to maybe, you know, go and play around him as well. Um, So I think, yeah, it's probably expected, like you say, I was expecting actually USA to be worse than actually maybe they showed in the first half. I think... They were quite clever with the way they like t- kind of played some intricate passing to kind of create the space and yeah. they did show it with that timothy we uh goal i mean it's great, it great nice to see that as goal well. it was beautiful Very nice in that respect yeah. but they showed that kind of pulisic drag and then mm-hmm. creating that space and that's what he's good at he is good at just getting the ball into spaces or creating space and then threading in that one ball that creates a goal. Mm. And I think, you know, maybe Chelsea should have a look at that video and see whether they could use him to do likewise at Chelsea. Um, But yeah, I do worry about this USA side because they don't look particularly great at the back. Uh, Aging Mm. Tim Ream, um, he seems to struggle a few times, it has to be said, towards the end. Um, But that said, they do have some pacey players, right? So Gino Des, he seemed to be bombing it towards the end of the match because... Like you guys, I don't know if you've managed to see it, but it was pretty much end-to-end in that last nine minutes of injury time. So it could have gone either way. There was one time that I thought Wales had thrown it away. But yeah, it could be interesting. So I think in terms of England, it looks like if you're basing it on today's game, I think they should be number one. And then Mm. it's a question of who's better out of these two. Maybe in terms of results, that's where it's going to be decided. So it just might go down to goal difference, dare I say it.
0: Yeah, I was just about to ask Andy anything that you saw between those two teams that England need to worry about.
1: Here's the moment
2: where you set yourself up for a big fall. But anything that England <laughs> need to worry about, I think um, no, I think the, I think the, I think both teams have got you know the standout players to be able to mm-hmm. cause moments. You know, England are prone to your defensive fuck up every now and then, and um, so I don't think you could be in any way complacent, and you're still going to have to play really, really well to beat them. So I wouldn't underestimate them. I and mean, I think it would be, I'm not really going to jump into that sort of pundit, you know, typical tabloid pundit <laughs> trap of going, oh, this will be easy, easy, easy. Gareth you know, the Wheel, we, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's one of those, <laughs> yeah. should, we beat, should we beat them? Probably. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean they will. I think with the US, I think there's a few of their players lacking a bit of fitness at the moment, which I think is why they faded a bit towards the second half. So obviously with the MLS best players like Walker Zimmerman, Zimmerman You know, for most of them, their season ended a good few weeks ago, and it was only that really those involved in the uh, MLS Cup final. Uh, that would have been um, in any way sort of match fit. West yeah. had his injury problems at Juve. He's not figured too much. Uh, Sergio so Dest has barely figured for um, AC Milan's. It's joining there on loan. Yeah. I forgot um, he was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I was about to say Barcelona. Matt Turner isn't exactly playing much football no. himself either. Uh, yeah, he's probably yeah. not guaranteed to unless he goes on loan somewhere. Uh, and I think with Tim Ream, he's getting a bit old and played too much football, Paul bloke. Yeah um and to be fair i think with um the other center back walker zimmerman Zimmerman, he plays for um nashville to be fair he's actually one of the u.s's best center backs Mm. he's actually quite decent to be fair to him like to the point where i feel like he could do a job in europe for a team and and i think if the u.s had someone slightly better than josh Sargent up front for them they Mm. would have won that there was a there was a point in that first half where he basically had a had a free shot at the near post and missed it, and a better quality striker would have scored that, especially against um, Wayne Hennessy, which I thought was a very going on to Wales, a bit of an interesting um, choice. I mean... I know I made a pun in the group chat, which I'm not going to repeat on here. uh, We all know the joke. It was certainly an interesting pick ahead of Danny Ward, who had a bit of a ropey start to the season. But to be fair to him, he's he's turned it around along with Mm Leicester. And I think uh, with Dan James as well, I think his limitations have been showing up again because I think the initial intention was stick Dan James up front and, and really push him for pace. And I think maybe... The Welsh squad have underestimated the fitness levels of Ersagino. So, you, know, you know, Dest is, you know, he might have limitations of his own as a footballer, but he's not a slow coach by no. any no, stretch no, no, of the no. imagination. And he was able to cover really, really well mm-hmm. uh, from that side. And I felt his effect was nullified. I think that's why I ended up bringing Keith Amoron, who again, mm-hmm. I thought it was a bit interesting that he didn't start. So, yeah, yeah so I he, thought
0: they'd go for him, to be honest. I thought he'd just offer them a, something that maybe kind of challenge Tim Ream or, you know what I mean, give the center back something to think about. I feel like there just wasn't much. It was a bit toothless at the beginning for Wales. I was really impressed with the press from America, I thought from the US, sorry. I thought they were like really, you can tell that they know the system, they're well-drilled and that press, really Wales mm. can deal with it first off. Um, but yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be bold and say I'll be the one who gets clipped. I'm going to say there's nothing for England really to worry about there except that wales is a derby so you never know (laughs) except i'm gonna put that caveat in i'm gonna put that caveat in but that is all the games we have seen and before we preview the games we are going to see we're going to introduce a new little feature and talk about our favorite man richard (laughs) keys after this
2: Please, it was just
0: fantastic. Here he is. It was just fun. I love it. He has, it's been a big week for Keezy. It's been a big week. After 12 years, as he put it, after hypocritical screw and scandalous criticism, the FIFA World Cup starts today. We have the most diverse set of pundits. Today in John Terry and Gary Neville, I genuinely cannot imagine a worse couch to be sat on than (laughs) Andy Gray, John Terry, Richard Keys, and and, uh, who did I miss? Gary Neville? Yeah. Yeah, rather you than me. And then the tweet that really, really got me was so far so good. I'm sure somebody will find something to complain about. But I've been greeted with warmth and whisked into the stadium ahead of schedule. As long as they're letting Richard in early, everything is (laughs) fine. Guys, stop moaning about it. Stop it. How much are you enjoying Richard Keyes at the moment? We're about to see some world-class levels of Richard Keyes, I think.
1: Oh, he's odious, isn't he? He's so fucking odious. I cannot stand the guy. I mean, like his Sky Sports days were bad enough. Like he was so static at times, and his opinions just so archaic. Um, yeah, I don't know why Andy Gray kind of hangs about with him, but yeah, I suppose they are. I feel like they've both each other's got pockets. Some... To be fair, yeah, they've both
2: got
0: something on each other. So like, <laughs> If we really? stick together, I can keep an eye on you and you know you're not dobbing me in. Um, but he did have a big week. He then also, a video which really tickled me, got absolutely pied off by Rude Hullet um, as he tried to say hello. And what I what I always like is the fact that Andy Gray, despite what you think about him, was a bloody good footballer and had a very yes, yeah. good career. And then Richard's just like his weird little mate who stood there. <laughs> and like. So, Andy, did you enjoy seeing him get pied off by Rude Hullet?
2: Oh, I mean, seeing Andy and the uh so you see Richard Keys get piled off is always pleasurable at any given moment. I, I feel I think it's come as a bit of a shock to us because um we've not had uh Richard Keys and Andy Gray on our screens for a very, very long time. They're kind of shoved in their own, they've been for the past few years, shoved in their own little corner of uh being sports, and the only time mm-hmm. I come across um, I'll say just before we came in there, the only time we come across it is when and watching a Manchester United game that's not on um, on Sky or BT, and I've had to find alternate methods. Um, as an example, of it, in case anyone's watching, um, <laughs> but, and uh, you've ended up seeing like Richard Key surrounded more often than not by Nigel De Young, who he's, he's somebody I never thought I'd ever feel sorry for, but I do because he's just sat there most of the time, just going. Oh, who are these two fucking idiots? And yeah, you know, stop going saying, on about Sam yeah, Allardyce. <laughs> like, oh my, I mean, at least, at least Andy Gray's played football. He's played the game. He understands it. But yeah, Richard, you know, Richard Keyes just doesn't, and it's just um, it's just nauseating. I just... Well,
0: listeners and viewers, every show often or every every so often during the World Cup, I'm not going to promise every show, but I think there'll be enough content. We're just going to drop in and check how things in how things are doing with Keezy. And if you ever want to sit and have a laugh, just click on any of his tweets and read the replies because it is the same five jokes sent to him about a thousand times. And I just love the idea that every tweet, he has to ignore the same joke over and over and over again. It's always the same. It's just hilarious. But... Richard, it's just banter. And with that, we are going to move on to previewing the games that are coming up. We're going to do tomorrow and Thursday day because we aren't going to talk until Thursday evening. So,
2: there is a Wednesday involved in this as well. Sorry? There is a Wednesday in between those Wednesday two days. Oh God! Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday <laughs> it. Let's talk
0: about the games of the day each day. Let's do that. So tomorrow the games are Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Denmark, Tunisia, Mexico, Poland, and France, Australia. Now I'm gonna hazard a guess that Adam, you would like to talk about Poland, Mexico.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> it has do been it. brought up. Um, this could be a very big game in terms of deciding who finishes potentially second behind Argentina because Mm -hmm. Argentina obviously facing the might of uh, Saudi Arabia. So so we're expecting a tight game there, right? But um, (laughs) on a really tough uh, kind of game between Poland and Mexico, it could decide who finishes second purely because I think both sides see weaknesses in each other's games. Um, You know, we, we talked in our preview about you know, Tato Martino, he's not getting a rapport from the fans at the moment. And they're relying on the likes of Herving Lozano, who's doing really well at Napoli. On the flip side, you've got his uh, teammate, Inzelinski, doing quite well, as well as Robert Lewandowski. And we've got some interesting players, you know, Jakub Kivo at the back, for example. We've got Sebastian Schumanski, who's doing it for Feyenoord at the moment, as well as a number of different players it, it, it will be a question of who can dominate the other and maybe control a match. Um, there's been a lot of talk about this being quite tight, and we'll just play it directly to, you know, create opportunities. We've got some good quality players off the bench as well, like Milik, for example, and uh, Piontek, for example, that could be brought on. Um, yeah, I, I'm potentially thinking this could be a draw, and then it will be just down to goal difference in the other wow. game. So I think it could be as tight as that. But yeah, um, what's your thoughts?
0: I'm pretty excited for this game. I think it could be a really interesting one. I think it's going to be like, it. hopefully is two teams that go for it. I think these are two, both teams have to be trying to beat the other one, right? Yeah. I, there's not like an underdog. There's not like, it's kind of fairly level. So I'm hoping it turns into both teams kind of trying to duke it out. We've talked about Poland. I'm pretty excited about their squad in general. I think there is enough quality there to kind of put teams to the sword. I just hope they're adventurous enough. I just hope yeah, they try yes. and go for it. Um, the other game in this group is not, yeah, Argentina is just going to be how many, I imagine,
2: um, as opposed to. <laughs> I mean, Argentina, form- and Argentina do have form for racking up some big totals. Yes. In, yes. Uh, like, when Argentina want to turn it on in the World Cup against a the minnow, they don't take it. I think Lionel Messi, he'd be one in particular. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, he's probably coming into it the best form he's been in for the past couple of years because yeah. yeah, he's yeah, yeah. he's got his fitness back and he's he's really showing he's still up there, one of the best players in the world yeah, um, yeah, this yeah. year. And I, I, I didn't expect that turnaround turn around with Messi. I thought it was starting to see a slow decline from him from what we saw last season. But it feels like for a lot of Argentina's players, this is a bit of a last Hurrah for them, mm-hmm. certainly at their peak. And I think for Leonel Messi, especially is commonly regarded that is gonna be his last yeah, World yeah, Cup. Yeah. Um and I think um I think it, and Argentina's weakness over the years has typically been in defense, but they've actually mm-hmm. started to look quite solid there with Lysandra Martinez. I think this will be a, a very big tournament yeah. for him. So yeah, I think they're gonna get I think they're gonna batter Saudi Arabia Arabia tomorrow and maybe Qatar might look at this game tomorrow afternoon and be like, "Oh, maybe we're not the worst team." <laughs> yeah. at the World Cup. Cheers, boys. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: no, I think I think you're right. I think Messi is kind of. It feels like he's been keeping himself fit at PSG for this World Cup, and I think that mm. everyone in that Argentina squad wants this for Messi. When they they wanted him to win the Copa America, so he had that. I mean, they, they kept team. playing
2: a cop America every single year until you won it. <laughs> until, <laughs> yeah, until you that's true. That I mean, maybe true. that, uh, may- maybe, just maybe that's going to be Gian- Gianni's uh, next batshit mental idea, is that we just have a World Cup every single year. Yeah, <laughs> Just keep, keep it always in Qatar. Just keep it here. It's all there now. We'll just
0: stay there. <laughs> um... Nice. So on the next day, which I'm losing track, is now going to be Wednesday. Um, we have group D. Now France and Australia will play tomorrow evening, expecting France to win that. But France now without Benzema and mm. Christopher Nkunku. Um it's all looking like France will be fine, but that that's two big names that they're missing there, Adam. What do you think how big a difference do you think that could make for them? Or or will the beautiful man that is Olivier Giroud just deal I
1: think yeah you've stolen my thunder I felt like (laughs) they'll revert back to uh Didier Deschamps the winning squads where they Mm had Giroud as the key man Mbappe will probably play off him and it sounds like the harmony is there between them two as well so you know I think they've still got quality within the side they just might have to maybe change it up and I, I think if you think about France going into this tournament we kind of said the depth is there like even if you had one injury you can pull in someone else mm-hmm. and I appreciate these are two big name players like maybe less so in Kunku but yeah. certainly Benzema definitely and uh interesting developments I saw off the result of that was potentially Real Madrid potentially trying to get Ronaldo from Man United as a result of that for a six-month loan so we'll see if that actually transpires <laughs> but um, regardless if we just talk oh, World Cup I think <laughs> yeah. France should be okay. They should be okay.
0: I think they'll be all right. But I, I just feel bad for Benzema. This was his thing, and I know he's like a complicated person. But I, I, I kind of, you know, just won the Ballon d'Or, and like, you know, finally, could he claim that trophy that he missed out on with France yeah. because he's a complicated person? Was <laughs> well, this his chance <laughs> to redeem himself? And he's, he's not going to get the chance. But I think
2: France are just full of really complicated people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a lot of them with France, like. Although they should absolutely walk this group, you always feel you always just got the back of your <laughs> yes. mind. Thinking, Is there a meltdown around the corner? Yeah, because close. there's always a team that has a meltdown, and it's either the Dutch or the French. And usually, one of and those the Dutch two. have just won. So the, and the Dutch, Dutch have happy. just won. So they're okay for this week at least, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I feel yeah. like with France, like they're missing a few big names: Pogba and Kunku. Uh, now with Benzema, I mean, quite a core of that squad that won the World Cup in 2018 is not there. Mm. Uh, and apparently, Raphael Varane's in line to start. He's nowhere going to be match fit. <sighs> uh, I don't really understand why they from both a Manchester United fan point of view, also from a France point of view, if they start, if Deschamps starts him, what does that say about the other setbacks? backs And uh, secondly is that really necessary against Australia? You've just yeah, been think, off for months. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, you could you could play
0: Saliba in this and get away with it. I'm pretty sure mm. you could get away with it. Um, but we need to move on to group, because then we will have Group E. Um, Denmark, Tunisia. anybody want to talk about that? I feel like that's going to be one-sided <coughs> as well. Denmark should really get the job done there.
1: Yeah, I think they've got enough quality to win. Um, it would be interesting to see if we can get the Damsgaard of two or two years ago, even because um, that'd be great. I well, we love, could get love him, him as a player, playing. but otherwise, Eriksson on himself with maybe Yusuf yeah. Paulson probably that combo will be enough for them against Tunisia. Not expecting much from Tunisia, to be fair. So fairly straightforward for Denmark.
0: Yeah. And hopefully, maybe one of those players, we could. We said in our preview, maybe the Denmark squad will be one of the ones to stand up and make a protest and make a statement. So fingers crossed. And then on Thursday, Wednesday slash Thursday, there will be Group E as, I need to check the games, we're going to have Morocco taking on Croatia from Group F. Oh my a, God, Thursday's a good day. Thursday, is, Thursday a is a very day. good day. We've got Group E and Group F. So we'll start with Germany and Japan. And the thoughts, Germany-Japan?
2: This is on Wednesday. I think we're getting our days. Yeah Wednesday. Oh, is Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, Wednesday. This Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Um, I think Japan, have not they're not as good, as, I think, as previous generations, I think they are lacking a little bit of style quality. Uh, and I think you'd back Germany to um, win that game easily. One game yeah. I am looking forward to, actually, is uh, Belgium-Canada um yes. canada really really turned it around and think especially when i did the um when we did the world cup preview with tom of who's over in Qatar at the moment like the canadians have really been on a proper journey but you know mm. you know a bit like the welsh have been qualified for the euros back in mm. 2016 it was the end of a process that has been that's been in play that's been that was started a good few years mm-hmm. ago for late gary speed and kind of have gone along the same sort of journey journey with john herdman coming over from the women's yeah, uh, Canadian yeah. team who are very successful in their own right um and it, you know they have got you know a lot of uh obviously they've got the star quality in Alphonse davis and um Jonathan Davids. And they've also got quite a few well established MLS players and Istachio from, um, he plays for Porto, who's a very, very tidy little player. And I think they could shock a few people because. This Belgium team, first of all, they're being managed by Roberto Martinez. That's an that's an automatic. Um, <laughs> there's one. <laughs> disin- <goal. laughs> there's a dis- that's that's an disadvantage to start with, and also um, there's a lot of, especially when you look at their defence. They've still got Alderweireld and Jan Vertonghen and you know Axel Vitz. So there's a lot of very ageing players which they've not got. Round to replace, him. there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh players on the wrong side of 30 and a lot on yeah. the wrong side of decent fitness levels. I'm looking at you, Mr. Hazard. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thought Thorgan would have gone on to have the better career? It's a bit mad, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, at the moment, yeah, it's um, and it feels like there's, there's a squad not really at it. I mean, Lukaku's not really been at it this season um since, barely you know, played barely yeah, yeah. played yeah and i think i think this is going to be my hot take i think canada are going to pull out a shock against belgium this is Ooh. that's this is the hot take yes. i'm going to stick my neck out for yeah. Could have yes seen yeah. we are
0: fully behind that we're fully behind that i love it and then finally we're going to have group f um Although the other part of Group F, my God, I'm so confused. Croatia versus Morocco basically is a game I want to talk about. I'm very excited about this game as well. Um, Croatia, again, a squad where maybe you look and think, ah, the midfield is kind of getting the wrong side of 30, or the wrong side of 30. But this squad in general is very high quality. I think they are able to take on any team. And I think Morocco are not to be underestimated. Again, when I did the preview video um, with... um, Oh, Basri, yeah. Um, yeah. he was talking about how on the wing they've got so many options like ZH, um, they've got Buffal. Uh, do you remember he used to play for Southampton? Oh, Southampton! Yeah, yeah. he's been really good for them. Our favourite from Bari Khadira, who has been called up. Hopefully, he gets a shout. Mm-hmm. And they've chat. got, ha- yep. they've got Hakimi um, mm-hmm. at the wing back. Their goalkeeper is the Sevilla goalkeeper, right? There's a lot mm-hmm. of quality in this team. I think this is a game again where it's two teams that are maybe not quite level, but they're two teams that are going to go for it. I've just got really feel like this is going to be a very, very good, quick attacking game. So I'm excited Mm. about that one. Um, The only other game we need to talk about is Spain Costa Rica. Adam, I'm going to go to you for Spain Costa Rica.
1: I think we might start seeing the lights of Gavi and Pedri really showing their worth here um because mm. I did mention in the preview that they've got quite an aging backline when you consider lights of Asper Quiletta mixed in with that team where you've got lights of Eric Garcia not in great form for example um so I do worry if you have better quality against them but I think if you're talking about in that midfield and attacking wise they should have enough um, so, yeah, let, let's see what how happens. But Almo, for example, on great form for Leipzig mm. as well. So I think they've got enough quality for this particular match. I could see this being a 5-0 win for mm. Spain, to be fair.
0: Nice. We're starting to get the bold. The boldness is starting to come out. And then just on Thursday, before we go, or before we sit down and record again, it will basically be the first match day done by the time you're yeah. listening to us again, listeners. Um, we will have Switzerland taking on Cameroon. Uruguay taking on South Korea, Portugal taking on Ghana, and Brazil, Serbia. Andy, give me one of those games that you're looking forward to the most.
2: Oh, you know what? Again, I'm going to stick my neck out for a bit of a shock here. Is, um, Ghana might beat Portugal. Yes. Um, there, there's not an entirely baseless thing, but I feel like there's um, a little bit of tension in the Portuguese camp, uh, mainly caused by one individual. Um, I think there is the fact that the Portuguese, you know, pundits and their and their fans have basically gone that you know with Ronaldo's being shoehorned into the lineup without mm-hmm. contributing as much as he used to. And don't get me wrong, he's a legendary sounds familiar figure for Portugal. Yeah, yeah. it's very relatable. <laughs> um, you know, they've also they've also said um, you know they're not the, the relationship obviously between Bruno Fernandes and Ronaldo isn't the best. Both probably on the pitch and. Quite possibly off the pitch as well, (laughs) which again, funnily enough, that's really, really familiar. Um, But uh, yeah, and I think um, with uh, with their head coach as well, uh, Santos, I think there's a little bit of frustration here that they could, Mm -hmm. they a better coach could be doing a little bit more with that Portugal team. Uh, And with Ghana, I think they've got you know a bit of bit between the teeth. They've got a very competitive squad Um, Mm -hmm. still. I reckon they could could pull off a shock. Um, So that's going to be where you know maybe a bit of meltdown plus World Cup shock is going to be going. Fingers crossed. Adam, a game there that you're looking forward to the
0: most?
1: Uh, If it's in the games that are taking place on first, I'm going to go for Brazil versus Serbia. That is in group G. Um, got a mixture of like qualities here going on and I'm really excited to see how Serbia do I was speaking to Marco who you interviewed mm-hmm. for the preview okay. and he seems like he's having a whale of a time at the moment in Qatar Um, that granted he did say he hasn't been exposed to all of Qatar at the moment Um, but yeah certainly I think this team is very exciting it's just mm-hmm. how will Vlavic and Mitrovic and Kostic and Sergei Milinkovic Savic, who might be going to Juventus maybe we'll just wait and see Um yeah, and then against the Brazil side, who I'm definitely tipping to win this World Cup. So it'll be fascinating to see. And have you seen the video clips of their team morale and how they're getting together? Yeah. Richarlison seems like on a mission to just piss off people at the moment. That's his reason to live. That's <laughs> yeah. why he's on
2: this earth. Yeah. But
1: yeah, it's beautiful. Um, but that aside, I think this could be a fascinating match. I could see this being end-to-end as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really keen to see because... I'm yet to see a defense that is fully comfortable with Mitrovic, and I want to see how the Brazil defense deals with Mitrovic because he challenges everyone that he comes up against. I think he could cause a few problems, and then just in case he doesn't, you got Dusan Vlahovic anyway. So just in case, that's I'm also like looking a nice forward little...
2: to seeing obviously the serve defenders are quite a no-nonsense bunch, and it'd be interesting mm-hmm, how yep. many lumps are going to kick out on <laughs> Neymar over the course of ninety minutes. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very good point. They're not
0: going to take much like other dancing before just going through him. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We. We'll see. Oh, it's gonna be good. I'm just gonna quickly throw up Uruguay versus South Korea. Sorry, Switzerland, Cameroon, but Uruguay, South Korea. I think Uruguay yeah. could actually surprise a few people in how much quality they do have. You have to remember they do have Val- Valverde in midfield, they do have Nunez up front, they have got a lot of quality. I feel like they could really um they could kind of show off against South Korea. I think I worry for South Korea in this game a little bit. Um, but that is our preview now and As we will continue to do during the World Cup, we are going to end the show with our partnership with Cards of Qatar. And for this part, I'm going to read you um, three short stories, again, about people who have um, (laughs) given it all um, for this tournament to happen and not willingly. So first, starting with Mohamed Russell Parvez. The body of Mohamed Russell Parvez was found in a trash bin in the Qatar few days before christmas in 2020 he was 33 and an only son shirina Banu his mother received his body in the home village dhulapato in western bangladesh the following month he was a construction worker when he fell from a 10-story building his mother says after his death the wife moved in with his parents she was satisfied with the financial compensation from the company but no money in the world can replace the loss of a human life she says Next, Shohag Madbar. On May 15th, 2020, migrant Shohag Madbar died at his room at the age of 30. The death certificate from the Qatari government mentions the cause of death as a heart attack. Due to, due to his uncertain job situation and the irregular wage, Shohag lived with a constant tension. The family believes the pressure caused a mental shock. When asked, Shohag's uncle, MD Kamaluddin, said that the family had been struggling since his death shohag's father who is a farmer his mother and their two daughters lost all dreams when they sent their only young bread uh, bread earner to qatar and finally srinivas narakula srinivas was a crane operator in qatar and worked for a local construction company i was told that he died due to natural causes but i do not believe that how can a completely healthy man just die on the spot i think he was killed says srinivas wife Anitha narakula Srinivas was an esteemed worker. In 2019, he received a smartphone from his boss. My husband told me that several of the colleagues became jealous. They started fighting. Anita remembers. Two months later, he was dead when the body
2: came in a package. There was a smaller package next to it. In it lay the phone.